Tonight's episode of Nightmare University is brought to you by Fangoria.com. Your homepage for horror is here. Fangoria.com is now live and brimming with the digital horror content you crave. Fangoria.com is your destination for all the stories that couldn't fit in the physical magazine. Long-form pieces, deep dives, daily thoughts from the biggest names in horror, exclusive access to the Fangoria vaults, as well as a constant curation of our favorite links from across the internet. Right now, all subscribers to the magazine are automatically members of Fangoria.com. And as promised, the content of the new issues will forever be print only. If you're not already a subscriber, check out the new Fangoria.com for yourself and see the horror right before your eyes. Fangoria.com. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Office Hours. I'm your host, Dr. Rebecca McKendry, and this is a supplement show to my regular show that I do on the Fangoria Podcast Network, Nightmare University. And since last week on Nightmare University, I talked about the aesthetics of gore, kind of the effects of seeing blood, flesh, and guts on screen, I thought for this episode of Office Hours, I would dive into the history of Gore Zone. Gorezone magazine was first launched in May of 1988 as a sister publication to Fangoria. And the original concept was that while Fangoria magazine covered well-known movies and large-scale indie productions, Gorezone would delve more into like homespun horror, smaller films. Specifically, it would focus on the gory bits. That would be the main focus. It was a splatter magazine, and I'd forever heard it called a splatter magazine. At this point in time, some of the most popular articles that Fangoria was doing focused on seeing the artists behind the gore, the amazing folks that were slinging latex and making the monsters. And Gore Zone dug deeper into the movies that may also be too small, too weird, too gross, or too just bizarre in general um, for large-scale coverage in the main magazine. And almost immediately, it became a printed celebration of the most bizarre, obscure, and gross films that call the horror genre home. Gorzone went for the punch, focusing on the extreme splatter and showing it in gloriously visceral close-up. Even the covers were way more extreme than you would see in a regular Fangoria. It featured many of the same elements as the Fangoria magazine, including the classifieds and profiles on actors and filmmakers, and of course, several giant fold-out posters. But everything across the board was way more extreme and way gorier. Gorzone celebrated its own exploitive nature. It seemed to know exactly what it was, and it seemed to revel in it. But it didn't quite begin this way. Though I had always viewed Gorezone in this altruistic, it just wants to support the wonderful horror projects that surround us and the amazing masters behind the gore style, that was not quite the original conceit. As editor Tony Timpone wrote in the editorial section of the first ever Gorezone issue, he was really apprehensive when the publishers came to him with the idea of creating another horror magazine because he felt it would be tapping the same readers that were already subscribed to Fangoria. And when he questioned why they would make a second magazine so similar to the first one, the assistant publisher at the time even responded back that Fangoria was really hot at the moment and they were trying to create their own competition before another company did it for them. Timpone goes on to discuss how it was finally longtime Fangoria publisher Norman Jacobs who brought him around to the idea of the magazine by saying that it would be a splatter-focused magazine, that the entire thing would be focused on the gory bits. 
Tony and the staff ran with this idea. They didn't even just run with it. They celebrated it. And Gorezone had a really good run in the world of Splinter magazines. While many of the other Monster Rag spinoffs, like Famous Monsters 1964 Venture into Monster World, only lasted a few issues, Gorezone made it for 27 issues, concluding its original run in 1994. And during this time, Gorezone became a staple of my middle school years and a wonderful companion piece to the regular Fangoria magazine. I remember even getting called by the principal at my middle school for having one of the posters hung up in my locker, and I was forced to take it down for fear that I was revolting those fellow students around me. When I read Gorezone, I felt like I was doing something transgressive by reading it. Like Fangoria was pretty extreme, but Gorezone was pushing it into the realm of scandalous. Of course it wasn't, but Gorezone took an already niche audience of like-minded horror fans and bifurcated it even more into those who would dare to venture into the more extreme, more revolting, and more perverse material. But it did not present this material as revolting or perverse. It presented it as an art form, as a transgressive means by which to make personal statements about yourself. And it never just stopped at the gore. It always pushed it into who the artist was behind it and why this existed in the film and what the aesthetical effect was on screen. In 2013, while I was working as director of marketing for Fangoria, we rebooted Gorezone magazine. We had some amazing contributors in the mix, like our very enthusiastic and wonderful editor of the time, Chris Alexander, who was just as thrilled as I was to see Gorezone being reanimated. I was absolutely honored to ask to be a regular columnist, and for the next few issues, I got to write Bijou of the Band which focused on some of my favorite band classics from horror history. My first piece explored Lucio Fulci's 1990 film, A Cat in the Brain, which many people have looked at as kind of one of Fulci's lesser known films because much of it is kind of like a gory clip show, but I've always loved this piece because it is so meta and it is about Fulci himself kind of confronting his own demons. I even got to interview the amazing Bob Murawski from Grindhouse Releasing for it. Sadly, the Gorezone reboot didn't last that long either, only a few issues. But the good news is you can still pick up plenty of copies of both Gorezone old and new on sites like eBay or also at just about any horror or comic convention across the country. I recommend picking up some of the issues old and new and learning about some of the most weird, bizarre, and hyper-gory movies that give texture and guts to the horror genre. <laughs> Know how to wake the dead, but think you've heard the call. You think you're an undead superstar, man, you think you know it all. Well, you don't know nothing, punk. Talking that same cadaver junk. Let me show you what it's all about. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to the Nightmare University is a Fangoria Podcast Network original produced and hosted by Rebecca McKendry, producer Natasha Pacetta, executive producers Dallas Saunier and Phil Nobile Jr., associate producer Jessica Safa-Vemer, art and design by Ashley Detmering, sound recording design and mixing by David McKendry, music by The Serpentines, for Fangoria, Brandon Moynerdi, Jason Kozlerich, and Rachel Wilson.